Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And welcome for Head Boss in Charge. Hey! What up, what up? So... How you bossing? Ah, you made me do it! (laughs) So I was going to say, let me do it first real quick. Um, You know what? I'm doing okay. Um, uh, It has been a rough week. Um, A rough few weeks, but specifically a rough week last week. My dog passed away. Um, and so that has been tough. And he was like my first like real pet. Like I had a fish, I've had two fish before in life, but my mother was really never about like moving, walking around animals. Um, so, um, RIP to Jasper. I can't even talk about it too much because it's still really fresh. Yeah. And like my house is super quiet, like without him, like barking or snarling at the door when somebody knocks or when mail comes, if I'm home at lunch. Um, but yeah, so that was like literally like the span of like 20 minutes from like my house to the emergency vet because he wasn't eating and he loves, he loved uh, past tense peanut butter and he like wouldn't eat. And I put it like right up to his face and nothing. And then like, yeah, in the span of literally 20 minutes, like he was there alive. And then they were like, should we do CPR? And I was like, what? like trying to make a last minute decision and like not wanting him to suffer and whatnot. So it was hard and I was a mess. I've been a bit of a a mess all week and who knew like how impactful like a pet could be or the loss of a pet. So I am still kind of on the tail end of that. So it's been a rough week and I've been, which has made me especially not here for people's bullshit. Um, Cause I'm like, don't you know what I'm going through? And of course they don't. Cause not everybody needs to hear your story, but yeah. So it's been, it has been um, a difficult week, but it's been awesome. How many people have kind of poured out and like, like we've gotten cards in the mail. People have called, people are texting and checking in, had an awesome friend send flowers. Um, just people checking in and I'm like, Oh my God, he was awesome. Duh. And I knew this already, but yeah. Just how many people like loved him, knew him, low key, probably the most like comments that I've ever had on a Facebook status ever. There's probably like 80 comments. And I was like, oh, well, shit, damn. Um, But lots of people loved him, were so surprised. They're like, we didn't even really know he was that sick. And I was like, well, we didn't like post it and advertise it because we're trying to spend our time with him. So, anywho. It has been tough, but it's been awesome to have like uh, a support network of people that I even haven't talked to like in forever, just to be like, oh my gosh, I, like I know how hard that is. So it has been tough, but um, awesome to have the support of people um, online and in person and, you know, just checking in to see how we are doing. So yeah, that has been my heavy emotional yeah. week and then work fucking picked up again, but I'm not even going to get into that right now. Um well, I'm sending love your way. I'm really sorry Thanks. to hear about that. That's very unfortunate. R.A.P. Jasper. So, yeah. Um, so, how are you, Boston? I'm doing pretty good. Um, the school year is about to start, so faculty have already started coming back, and just a ton of retreats. I was on two retreats this week. Um, one of them was on-site, one of them was off-site, and any <laughs> retreat that's on-site... <laughs> It's an all-day meeting. It's just a long-ass meeting, right. I was just like, (laughs) anyways. But uh, it's just good to use that time to regroup and kind of focus and center. Um, And outside of work, 
I got recently got casted in a, a stage production uh, nice. with uh, a theater company that I actually have worked with once before. Um, Congrats! So thank you. Uh, really excited. Rehearsal start uh, next month, and the show will go up in November. So, all right. Just gotta get ready. Get back to uh, that hustling schedule. <laughs> you know, yeah. just. Hustle and grind, nine to five, five to nine. Yeah. Well, because you were it. taking a break like a, a while ago, like when one of the episodes, you were kind of taking a break and was like, I'm just going to do like my nine to five gig and see like what life looks like slowed down. So sounds like you're yes. ramping back up. I'm ramping back up. But then I told myself that with my side projects, I really can only do one thing at a time. I think... I was just overworking myself trying to juggle all these opportunities, which, which give me life. Like I, I need these things to, this is what I wake up for every day. And um, I just can only focus on one thing and that's okay. I shouldn't, I shouldn't punish myself for not being able to do it all. Yeah. I was going to say sometimes, cause I've heard you kind of be like, you're a different self when you have like 75 things going, but remembering like, all those things that you give yourself to, none of them f- get your full, complete energy. And I'm right. assuming that none of those things get your absolute best. So like paring it down and being like, okay, I can give my best to more than one thing, but maybe just two as opposed to the 75. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I will look forward to you letting me know when the show is, because we will certainly <laughs> do our best to come out and support. Um, so long as it's, you know, done before like nine, because, you know, I'll be sleepy, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. All right. Uh, well, we will be right back. And we are back for water cooler talk. All right, so today we're going to talk about mistakes um, related to work, how we recover from those mistakes. So um, I was recently looking through um, the September issue of Essence Magazine with Nisi Nash on the cover. If you haven't seen it, it's fire. If you don't want to buy it, go to a bookstore or a um, where they sell magazines and read it while sitting there and then leave, but just don't write in it. So... Um, Because I don't know if the articles are (laughs) available online. If it is, we'll post them in the show notes. Um, So uh, we've all made mistakes at work, Um, sometimes big, sometimes small. Um, But I often think of how do people recover from those mistakes, be it clerical, be it a human interaction, be it something that you quote unquote should have known but didn't. So we're going to go through a few of those and then Paul and I, so we're going to go through a few scenarios, talk about how we might respond. And then Paul and I are going to um, muster up some courage to share some uh, mistakes that we have made and how we've recovered from that. And maybe something that we learned um, along the way. So hopefully that gives you folks, our listeners, an opportunity to realize like, obviously we make mistakes too. And, um, maybe some ways to rebound those if you are in the midst of a mistake um, or you have recently made one and you need to do something to recover and bounce back. So um, this has totally happened to me. I think most of these that we're going to go over have happened to me before. So 
Okay. <laughs> so maybe this is a little too real. So a scenario where you miss a big meeting or you double book and um, you have to make a choice between which meeting that you make and which meeting that you reschedule. So you want me to go first? Sure. Okay, so I tend to see meetings as um, uh, oftentimes unnecessary because um, usually these things could be sent in an email um, or they don't have to take the, dura the full duration of the meeting, time that's scheduled. So don't schedule me for an hour if we have three agenda items <laughs> because we don't need, you know, 20 some odd minutes for each. Um, but anywho, that's beside the point. I tend to, if I have double booked, then usually the one that gets trumped is, um, oh, did I say that? Oh, mm. we scratched that out. Um, <laughs> my bad. Haven't said that word in period. Yeah. Um, uh, usually the person who's in the higher position. So if I had, if it's, I've double booked with my supervisor or like a same level colleague versus someone who um, reports to me, um, I will oftentimes go with the same level colleague or the person who outranks me um, in the organization um, for a few reasons. One, generally timing with those folks is a little more difficult in terms of cal calendaring. Um, and then I find just by the nature of my position, if someone's in a lower, a different classification than me that, that's in a lower classification or that reports to me, um, they, I, I will do the like, well, you can make time to fit me on your calendar or like, can you move this other meeting? I'm far more apt to do that. But I have certainly had times where I've missed meetings and then I'm like, oh shit, like I was supposed to be somewhere. I did that over the summer because there was just a lot going on, I think before I was getting ready to go to vacation. And I'm just in my office, doo -doo -doo -doo, working on like, I'm so glad that I don't have meetings. And then I looked at my calendar and I was like, oh my Lord, I am 20 minutes late to a meeting that was supposed to only last 30 minutes. Um, and it was on my floor, it was two doors away. So it's not like I had to go anywhere. I had to walk out of my office and look left. Um, so when I realized that, um, I had missed it, basically, I sent a quick email to the person and it was the real shitty part. It was a one-on-one -on -one thing. So it wasn't, oh, okay. <laughs> the person was like, thankfully I walked, I knocked on the door and they were like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm running late. And I was like, whew, they had run late with the previous person <laughs> before them. But I was like, I am so sorry. I um, I made that mistake. I misplaced mis uh, it on my calendar. So please let me know how, when you're available and I will make myself available to meet with you. We, if you're not here tomorrow or whenever we can video chat or do a conference call, my, my sincerest apology, there's no excuse for that. And so I apologize. Um, but I certainly felt um, not the smartest because it was someone from like, uh, our chancellor's office down in Long Beach that I was here for a day. Um, and of course I was the first person to put myself on her calendar. And I was like, how am I going to miss something that I scheduled? <laughs> like I scheduled this. She was like, I need to meet with folks, fill yourself in on this calendar. And I, I happened to be at my email, you know, I was the first one to sign in on like the doodle form or whatever. And then I missed that. So I had nothing to do but to apologize and be like, I will make myself available 
um, this was my mistake. Thankfully, thankfully, she was gracious enough. She'd be like, oh, that's fine. Like, I was running late with the last person, so I don't have a ton to talk to you about anyway. And then we got together later that afternoon. But yeah, that was low key. That wasn't even early in the summer. That was probably three and a half weeks ago. Oh. <laughs> so we're real fresh, but it happens. So. So I'm, I'm really, um, like glued to my calendar. I don't think I've ever missed a meeting ever. Um, but there'll be a lot of times where I'm double booked. People love to put meetings on my calendar when I didn't ask for it. Um, or, you know, vice versa, I'm planning meetings. And so, um, I'll use a similar method, uh, to what you just described about, uh, giving priority to, uh, folks that are more senior to me. Um, I'm usually really flexible with my one-on-ones with my staff. So I'll just mm-hmm. push those around. Cause I mean, I can, I can see you whenever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, um, I did like a factor that I use to choose which meeting is a couple things. Is there an agenda? I usually mm. don't like into meetings with no agenda or no purpose. So if I'm double booked, I'll go with the meeting that has a purpose or agenda. And um, oftentimes we'll have meetings across the college, uh, different campus partners to like tackle some sort of systemic issue. And if I feel like um, my team is represented college wide and I really have to do something else, then I'll step out. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. you know what's a, a tiny pet peeve about meetings? Like just a, a split second to stay on meeting. There's lots of pet peeves about meetings because they could be emails for the most part. But um, I find myself annoyed when new people to the organization will just put a time on my calendar or like invite like a whole bunch of people without seeing if there's any common time like using the schedule assist or sending out a doodle poll, but I, I got one of those maybe two weeks ago. And the person just was like, we're meeting at this time. And I was like, yay for initiative. Um, no, um, I am not coming to this meeting. Number one, who are you? Introduce yourself. And number two, you didn't ask to see if I was available. Right. So on that, those two principles, I am just not going to show up at all. I'm going to tell you I'm not showing up. And I'm going to put it in an email. I said, oh, thanks for the invite. I'm not available during this time. Perhaps in the future, I might recommend using Doodle or the schedule assist or some other scheduling mechanism if you want to get this, you know, this many people together. Um, but I look forward to meet, reading the, the meeting minutes afterward. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you're new and I've already had to give you just the, gen- the gentlest of reads. But yeah, don't be new and then just come and think you're going to dictate yeah. my calendar. I mean, uh, scheduling is not easy. I just have to, like, give it to anyone who has to schedule for, like, their bosses or anything. It's just, scheduling is so annoying. Yeah. (laughs) The perfect time for just a damn-ass meeting. Yeah. And I'm always like, don't schedule things right at 1 o'clock. I'm like... Or at 9 o'clock. There are three times of the day that I will never schedule meetings. 9 o'clock, 1 o'clock. I'll do one thirty And uh, 4 o'clock. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And don't try to do like a lunch meeting. Cause I was like, then I'm not, 
No, I don't do those. People are like, well, let's just meet over lunch. And I was like, that's not me having lunch. That's me working and having no break. Then I'm going to get my lunch reimbursed. (laughs) So, pay school, pay for this lunch. (laughs) Yeah, they'll be like, well, you can, we can all just go down to such and such. And I was like, I'm not going to buy my lunch if I was, you know, I have the luxury of being able to go home most times for lunch. So that is certainly luxury that I um, enjoy. Um, And sometimes I need a break. I need like an interruption in the middle of my day to get out and to rebalance and calibrate myself so I can come back and not, you know, be stank or be sleepy Mm -hmm. or something along those lines for the rest of the day. Like I would hope that we all take a break, like get away for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. Meetings could be a whole nother thing. Cause I have a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so number two, um, here's the mess up. So you over overlook a critical detail. Um, so I'm trying to think of a time where I've overlooked the critical detail. This could be so many times. Um, it's funny what, um, critical details mean to me versus mean to my boss or to my <laughs> vice president. I'm like, to me, sometimes I don't see those things as a critical detail. Like, yeah. So I think sometimes it's difficult to interpret what is a critical detail. Cause I'm like, some people don't need to know everything about every single portion of something. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of a time. Can you think of a time where you maybe overlooked a critical detail? Uh, well, so a part of my job is to, um, oversee the course schedule at the college. Okay. And it's a very tedious <laughs> task, mm. um, you know, just getting the dates and the times and the names of the classes and the, the course descriptions and all of that. And so there's a very specific way to change these details in, our, in the course schedule system. And when you're looking at a computer <laughs> mm. um, for so long, it's very easy to make what, well, I use this term lightly, a simple mistake, but that simple mistake can ha- has a large impact. Like a student could be, you know, students could be going to the wrong, you know, the wrong class. So mm-hmm. um, I've definitely made a few mistakes here and there, but luckily caught it in time where I can reverse the change that um, I originally intended. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think anything that's clerical, I think it's, it's, we can often say it's, oh, it's just a simple mistake. It's not a big deal, but sometimes the clerical mistakes can have a huge impact. Yeah, I would say similarly. Um, and I think I, I sometimes wonder how many like of those small clerical things that people have just been able to like momentarily like suss through, um, and didn't share that with me so that I could like make the change or adjustment. Um, so I think of, so I still oversee the website for the department or the program that I oversee. Right. Mm-hmm. And so part of my role is to go in to make adjustments, like when there are new executive orders or if we have a new procedure or something related to that. Um, and I remember when I first started, first of all, I didn't really know what I was doing, which is fine, but I, um, put some incorrect information on the website and it was bas- it basically created like the tiniest of loopholes um, for students, and I didn't realize that. Um, and so I went. Someone brought it to my attention, and I was first. I had to think: Is this really a mistake? Am I misinterpreting this? Um, but thankfully, it only only two students got through the loophole. Thankfully, um, and then I 
made, it was literally the, the difference between like three words. So like it, it was a really minute thing, but it could be interpreted like four different ways. Um, and thankfully someone was like, I'm not sure how to read this. Should they say this or this? And then I went back and read it and I was like, I mean, they got a bit of a, so a little more leniency because they brought that to my attention and I thanked them. But I was like, Ooh, this could have been a real mess. Like if I hadn't, if somebody hadn't brought that to my attention, um, I could have been like suffering or paying for that mistake all year. Um, yeah. So sometimes I can really appreciate the, the critical eye and detail from folks who see my work um, and evaluate me or, or folks who are on the receiving end of a process that I administer. Cause it just helps me to like sometimes read those things out loud, but mm-hmm. I had to look like for me, part of that was um, I wanted to make sure that my supervisor knew that I had made that mistake. Um, and sometimes I wonder, I'm like, should I tell her? And I was like, no, because I don't want her to find out around the way. And she'd be like, well, uh, that wasn't communicated to me. And then, you know, somebody has to try to sit down and have a conversation with me. Um, so I was like, look, this is a mistake I made. It impacts these two folks. And this is what I did to fix it. So I didn't want to say like, well, nobody told me. Or oh, like, those excuses. Yeah. How, was I, how was I supposed to know? Like the last person did it X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, I'm not the last person. So. I have to be right. responsible for my own work and my own mistakes. So, um, which to me has always benefited when I have come forward and said, I am, this is a mistake that I made. This is how I'm planning to fix it. Um, and this is when it'll be fixed. And so usually I've gotten the, okay, all right. Well, thank you for keeping me in the loop. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously don't make that mistake again. And then you'll be good to go. So... Um, before when you were talking about how what you see may see as critical may not be as critical for your supervisor or other Mm -hmm. folks, it kind of made me think of, I sometimes have to remove my biases when, uh, uh, evaluating employees. So let's say there is a million ways to do one thing, whatever Mm -hmm. the task is, except (laughs) I, I, you know, I'm just in my head and I just prefer when people do you know, project A with these skills or, you know, with these methods. Um, and sometimes, you know, other employees will find a creative way to get something done. Um, and it, t- it took a while for me not to like hold that against someone because <laughs> if they made a, um, if they did something well, or even if they made a mistake, um, I have to ask myself, is that really a mistake? Or is that just me projecting my own, uh, you know, type A personality, it has to get done A, B, and C mm-hmm. in, in these three steps. Yeah, I do the same thing. I also have to remember that um, that people, like I can generally structure the work, like big word work for my staff, but then it's up to them to execute because I have my own things that I'm responsible for. Um, but I can certainly be like, well, why the hell did you do it that way? You know, and that's what I'm saying to myself. I would say it out loud. But I'm like, if you had just done it by the ABC, like you could have done this like two hours ago. It only takes right. me 20 minutes, but okay. But, all right, well, I can appreciate the various varied approaches in which, you know, we would go about the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I find myself doing that as well. And be like, especially if people are like, I don't know where to start. And I'm like, I don't know if you're trying to tell me you want me to... <laughs> 
give you the list of the steps to do this? Or are you just like openly brainstorming? Like, tell me what you want. Um, but yeah, uh, this is, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to fit this in. But in terms of like being open, one of the things that I found is, is helpful with mistakes, um, either with processes, so administrative things, or with people, um, is being upfront with my supervisor about those so that she doesn't mm -hmm. hear like whatever shit's coming around the way from anybody fr besides me. Like if I make a mistake, I will be quick to own it, quick to figure out how to resolve it. Um, but there are certainly times when I meet with my supervisor and it's usually in structured meetings with just the two of us, that's once to twice a month. But I'll pop over just to say, hey, or whatever. Um, but I'll be like, hey, this is the, the list, the short or long list of people in the last two weeks that are going to be pissed off with my work um, <laughs> or the way that I've administered something. So I want you to know, um, let me know if you want to see the emails that I sent them because I don't, I'm not often taking things back. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'll adjust the response or maybe like the response is what it is because I've put it in writing and so thus uh, there's a level of which I need to be prepared that it, it could be subpoenaed because that's how I, I try to look at my work, unfortunately. But I'm like, you should know, these people may shout out to you and be pissed off about what I, what I did or what I said, and this is what I did or what I said and how I said it, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you should know that. You know, I will, I will be quick. If I make a mistake, and even if it's something, well, even for small things in the past, I used to always tell my supervisor, but anything significant, I am running to their office door. I will yeah. be the first and only person to tell you <laughs> and no one else. And I will slap myself on the wrist if I have to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? um, I, I think I, I used to, and I still do a little bit right now. I do a lot of this like self-loathing and self-criticism. Mm -hmm. I'm really hard on myself when I make a mistake um and didn't mean to of course yeah i think that um that is a, a and one of the things that i've gotten in my feedback for as for the most part as long as i've been a working professional is like that there's a self-awareness and there's a positive side of that that you're paying attention to the work that you do look at me trying to flip a, a constructive piece into a positive um <laughs> a strength but i think there's a self-awareness when you're paying attention to what you do and you're are able and willing and communicative about owning those things that you either have made a mistake for or made a mistake with on or with an interaction with someone and then how you're going to remedy that, you know, in the very foreseeable future. Um, that's certainly something that I look for when I am uh, recruiting someone or on a hiring committee of like, what is the mistake you've made and how did you rebound from that? Cause I want to know that you have the ability to like, bounce back um as a person like you paul like i will beat myself up for shit like ad nauseum and i'm like i can't believe i did that like you're better than this shamina it's like mm -hmm. this really negative self-talk and I'm, i've gotten a lot better with that um but i want to work with people who can be like you know what i flubbed that up and this is what i'm gonna do to remedy or fix it um because it just shows me that you are invested in the work um and that you can see um that it's important to own those things and role model for your colleagues, mm -hmm. that it's okay to like, not try to like shove things under the rug or like point the finger at somebody, um, somebody else and really take responsibility for 
your work good, bad, otherwise. Yeah. So something I wholly value in other folks. Um, It's terrible though, when you don't like, if you see like legitimate like mistakes and then people just like act like they're not there, like that these aren't mistakes. And I'm like, well, I'm looking at it right here. Like we're not supposed to do that. So why are you saying we do that? Help me understand. And they'll be like, oh, there must be some glitch in the system. Oh, the, please, don't <laughs> give me that. Do not give me the old glitch of the system. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you would think shit never goes wrong with technology. And I'm like, what? <laughs> sometimes it's you. <laughs> right. You done messed that up. Um, so let's go with this one. So scenario, the, the title of this section is how to handle cringeworthy gaffes. I never say the word gaffes, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. G-A-F-F-E-S. Didn't really know that was a word. Um, you have over-promised and under-delivered. Because <laughs> you're usually just trying to do the other. I have learned my lesson. I have learned my lesson. Um, so have you had an opportunity, like, think back in your career, um, have you had a chance, well, you said you learned a lesson, so somewhere there must have been some learning that you did that was something that you may be willing to share, where you over-promised and under-delivered. Yeah, I, I would say, I'm going to be a little bit more broad, especially working in higher education, when things move really slowly. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you are trying to get through a process or even deliver good news to people. Um, Sometimes my excitement uh, might get ahead of me and I might jump the gun a little bit. And then I realize, oh, wait, uh, what I thought I was able to promise is actually not the case, right? So it's either the process is very slow Mm -hmm. or um, I'm very hopeful, but I jump the gun and um, under deliver. Uh, so I can't really get into details because it applies to my current work situation, but, um, yeah, I think that's realistic for if you are really just trying to do something good for the organization, deliver good news, you might not get all the answers that you want Mm -hmm. to move something forward. And then you have to figure out what to do after that. Yeah. I, um, yeah, that's tough. Um, I have seen that particular scenario enough to, in those instances where there's news to share or that I'm waiting for something to kind of like roll down the pike, I was like, let me present this as like, it's going to be the world's slowest shit ever, um, <laughs> and that I'm going to be waiting to get back information. Um, cause it's the worst, like give people information and then either have to pull it back mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't go through or the P, the right people don't sign or there are questions about the process or something you want to move forward or they're just slow because it's not their priority at that moment. Um, so yeah, I've seen that happen enough and it frustrates people enough. And been, having been on the receiving end of that, I'm like, yeah, don't tell. I don't wanna hear like, well, what we hope to do is X, Y, and Z. Well, no, no. I wanna know when it's signed. Like, don't lead me to this. Cause then I'm gonna be wondering like, are you ineffective at getting the stuff done? Like, are people just not on board for the idea or you know, the increase or whatever the case may be? Um, but I've seen that particular one enough and seen people be frustrated by like, oh yeah, we're going to do this by the end of, you know, October. And then December 1st rolls around and you're like, yeah, we never did that. Right. Um, let's see. 
where I've overpromised and underdelivered. Um, I think with my, I don't think, I know. I was, had transitioned and was working in human resources for the first time um, as my sole responsibility. I was an HR specialist. And, um, you know, low-key, like in an interview, when you'd be talking about all the things that you were capable of, and you're like, <laughs> yes, I can do X, Y, and Z. And like, yep. in, you know, the grand scheme of things, like I am a quick learner, like I learned by doing. Um, and I can laugh at this now because it's I'm several years out from it, and I have and I now know how to do it. But I was like, yes, absolutely, I know how to like manage a payroll system and um, can reconcile time and hours and what whatnot. Um, and so I so I said yes that I could do those things, <laughs> um, not thinking how. I was going to have to live that experience shortly thereafter. <laughs> so this was about a payroll thing. Um, and so I started and I was, um, as an HR specialist, the payroll coordinator was going to be reporting to me. And so I was thinking, okay, well, there's a coordinator. So like, great, they know what they're doing. And then that person left. Uh. And I was new. I had been like in the role for probably like two weeks. And then that person left. And I was like, oh shit, people are going to need to get paid. Um, because before I was working with, um, uh, exempt staff, so they were going to get paid regardless. Like there wasn't anything that was going to trigger that. And nobody was in a situation where they were going to be, have to be docked for pay. So, um, but the organization I moved to had like temporary staff, they had hourly staff, they had staff who were eligible for two different types of overtime, depending on if it was a weekday versus a, a weekday evening like after hours during the weekday or if it was a weekend and there were like bargaining units that I had to like learn, like this person gets time and a half, this person gets double time, this one unique unit get got triple time. So I had to, here I am saying that I could, yes, I had done this, whatever. And I was like, really, I had to just click some buttons on the damn screen. That's it. <laughs> time. Cause they were going to get paid anyway. Right. And so that first, and I didn't hire somebody for like a month and a half. When I tell you that is the most time that I have spent at work after hours, stressed <laughs> out, sweating and shit. Trying to read all these manuals. I'm trying to get, I'm just trying to get people paid because right. they were going to get their regular paycheck, but they were like counting on like the overtime because there was always going to be overtime. And so I certainly, I think that first cycle, um, I think three people didn't get their checks on time like their overtime checks on time. Oh yeah. I under delivered on that bitch for real. Um, I was so sorry, but thankfully the people were super nice and they knew that I was new and they were like, it's fine. Like my rent isn't due until this time. So as yeah. long as I get it in the next like five days, I'm going to be good. And they got it in the next five. I called in favors. I was, <laughs> I was in prayer, like on the altar. It's like, where is Olivia Pope when I need her? Right. I was like, I didn't realize how, complicated payroll was if it wasn't like like when you have that many variables in terms of staff um like unions and bargaining agreements and stuff so yeah i certainly over promised and under delivered on that one i do not envy payroll specialists i'm telling you when you get a good payroll specialist you need to honor those folks they don't make nearly enough money yeah um and they know what everybody makes so i'm sure they know they're probably like i don't make enough damn money Right. <laughs> uh, let that payroll person be out when payroll is due. Shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But 
that was like literally the most stressful thing that I have dealt with as a professional. And I have sat with people who have like suicidal ideation and like a family after a student was, you know, killed in a car crash. Um, and those were tough. Um, and those were not my responsibility, if that makes sense. But right. this payroll thing, whew, I'm telling you, that is no joke. <laughs> Sit down with the payroll person once. And don't have them working for the state because that shit has to go through the, con- the state controller's office. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Uh, oh, that was like a flashback. I'm here slightly sweating. <laughs> I'm like, who don't let me find myself in the payroll uh, position right. again. <laughs> um, so with that, um, so Paul, are there any situations that you've run into where you have made a mistake or an office blunder, a mess up, if you will? Um, and then if you can give us the gist of what that mistake was and then how you recovered or rebounded after that. So um, uh, I'm going to keep this a little, kind of a little uh, broad, but I, when at my old job at San Francisco State, um, there, you know, we have a lot of protocols and procedures for safety. And I was on call and I had responded to a fire um, uh, that was going on in one of the residential units. And long story short, uh, I had a little uh, controversy with um, a fellow employee on how I went about the incident. So in my opinion, I didn't really do anything wrong. Um, I did follow protocol, but the interpretation of the protocol was different on both sides. Um, it did cause a little bit of a kerfuffle because, um, you know, the department said I made a mistake. And um, I didn't take it well at first. I I was, like, <laughs> really, really hot and bothered because I was, you know, I, I don't make mistakes or I try not to. And this was something that I thought I followed you know, the right procedure to a T. And also, you know, mind you, you can have protocols, but in reality, there's always going to be a wrench in the system Mm -hmm. that you don't have a procedure for. You have to make it up as you go. Mm -hmm. So um, how I recovered from that, honestly, was just like, I let it go. (laughs) Like, (laughs) at the end of the day, the students are safe. No one got hurt. And... Mm -hmm. It was either be in my feelings and, um, you know, let this consume so much of my mental energy or just move forward because uh, be, even though I made a mistake, nothing happened to me. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, we had a conversation about it and a disagreement and then I moved on. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I won't share where my thingy happened um but i will say i was a new to new employee at um a job and the (laughs) their version of the head bitch in charge was at like an evening event and i didn't really know this person but apparently they were like revered on campus for their work and contribution to the campus and that's great that's wonderful i appreciated their work um but I remember I was, and I was, you know, kind of a bit of a spitfiery um, new employee. And so I am like cleaning tables or whatever. And it was like this, um, for anybody who listens to us in education, there's this, this thing called moonlight breakfast or moonlit breakfast or midnight, whatever. 
it's like the and lots of schools do it. And I don't even know why, because I hated it. And I made no secret that I hate it. And so thus, I do not do it anymore. Um, but it's where the staff come back in the evening to serve like tater tots and, you know, silver dollar pancakes and shit. Um, and I remember I was cleaning the tables or whatever after somebody had spilled something. And then this like HBIC uh, person that was there like snipped at me and like basically was like and you need to do this and take out the trash and i must have looked at her with like and i know under my breath i was like i know this bitch ain't talking to me um and so i walked away because i first of all i wasn't gonna do that i wasn't taking out anybody's trash especially at night hello um and i was like you're not gonna talk to me any old kind of way you may be the head bitch and you know may have signed off on me being here you know ultimately but like i'm not you're not just going to talk to me any old kind of way and I don't know who you are. Um, and so I was a little, you know, spicy under the collar. And so I certainly walked away and didn't clean the table or take out the trash. Um, <laughs> and so the next morning I shared that with my supervisor that I did not appreciate that. And I said, so if you hear something, yes, I walked away and no, I did not take out the trash. Um, I said, because I, I didn't fully know this person. I had been on the job for, you know, a semester. So what, four and a half, five months. And I said, and it just felt kind of rude and disrespectful. Um, and like really like, like dictator-like. And I was like, I'm a human being too. And like, hello, my name is. Um, and so I got a bit of a talking to from my supervisor at that time. Because it, it turns out that, uh, that HBIC was not really pleased with that. And I said, okay. I, I took the conversation for what it was. But I said... In the future, for me, what would be helpful is, like, first of all, use my name, like, speak to me like I'm a human being as opposed to dictating an order to me. Not that I'm above taking out the trash or cleaning off the table and whatnot, but I was like, the way that it was presented to me was rude. And I don't need it in a sandwich, but just like, I wouldn't talk to somebody and be like, you need to do X, Y, and Z. I'm like, I don't want to be here at 11 p.m. either. So. Right. Neither one of us, you could have ended this by not having us be here all together, but lo and behold, we're both here. So, but I did, that's another thing I shared with my supervisor. And I, clearly I was beside myself as a new, uh, a new employee to that campus. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They did not ask me to leave. So apparently it wasn't that big of a deal, but I was like, what you're not going to do is treat me like the next bitch. So, so Yeah. (laughs) I will never funny. forget that. I think of that every time the end of a semester rolls around. I'm like, oh, when funny. they try to get me to take out the damn trash and talking to me shitty. Um, anywho, so any major lessons about like the work snafus um, that you have run across? Yeah, um, well, I do want to um, go over a major lesson that I learned about that over-promising and under-delivering is um, you know, only communicate the information that you have. And sometimes it's better to withhold information for a very long time and risk the promise of being transparent mm-hmm. in order to protect the individuals that are gonna, going to receive the information at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one, Paul. That's a really good one. Cause everybody feels like they need to know everything at every moment that you know it. I, I'm assuming, cause that's, that's kind of what I get. Like people are like, well, what can you give me an update? And I was like, it's been a day. I don't have, <laughs> right. I don't have a meaningful update for you. 
Like, and internally, I know I mean, like, I have information, but it's not program ready. Like, if I shared it with you in three days, I'm going to share something different. You're just going to be frustrated that it's a flip flop back and forth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think folks get confused, and that's how I see it when they think of their dis- a definition of transparency of like, yeah. I need to know everything every moment that you know it. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, and really that has saved me not sharing information. Um, what I thought maybe I could share it. And then almost every scenario that that's come up, the information that I end up sharing is different. Like things have changed, a budget has changed, a direction has changed. Um, and I'll be like, whew, I'm glad I did not share that because right. There's cleanup on the other end of that. They're like, you lied. You didn't tell me the truth. You don't know anything. And I'm like, I don't need to be the good guy, quote unquote, and share everything as it happens. Because you don't need to know everything. Because your head would explode if you knew everything. Right. So that's such a valuable one. How about you? Um, Let's see. Um, Things that I've learned in terms of the work snafus. Um, Own up to that own up to the mistakes that you made. It's a lot harder for people to kind of come for you um, when you've already owned um, the mistake and have a remedy and have communicated um, how you're going to fix it and, and hopefully a reasonable timeline in which you can fix it or remedy the situation. Mm. Um, it takes away the power of somebody using that against you because you've already set it out there. And so then they just sound a little bit silly to be like, and this, this, and this. And like, well, as you've previously heard, this is my, you know, proposed resolution and timeline for that. So, right. yeah. So it takes, to me, it takes the power away to communicate and be open about it. It's not always easy, um, but it saves kind of a lot of turmoil in the end. I have found that people have respected the fact when I can own up something, either individually with one person or like if I have to own up something in an email, I did that maybe a, a week or two ago, like I dropped the ball on, on, you know, replying to somebody by the time that I said that I was going to, um, and they got all pissy and went to the vice president about it. And I said, you know what, that's, and it wasn't even big, but anywho, um, I replied all to the group and I said, you know what, I totally dropped the ball on this. I will make that call within the next hour and then I will update the appropriate parties. And then my vice president was like, Shmina, I really appreciate that, you know, and respect the fact that you could own up to that because that shows what kind of professional that you are. And I was like, hey, bitch, hey, vice president. And then I had to make the call so that I didn't, you know, play the fool later. But it, people value that more than you trying to, like, cover it up and put a Band-Aid on it. So right. be honest. Sometimes you got to take the L, get a plan together, and then execute and move on. Yeah. All right, so that was a good water cooler talk. All right, we are going to take a break and we'll be right back. Our next segment, Ask a Boss. Uh, remember that you can email us questions at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. And I have a question from 
a woman by the name of, we'll just call her Betsy. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Betsy says that um, I am a um, entry-level employee in an organization um, and I identify as a woman of color and I've worked at this organization for about five years and um, to this day I still struggle on how to maneuver through the political waves at the organization. Um, oftentimes I don't feel empowered in my position because a lot of things um, uh, I, I'm not included in a lot of conversations, uh, and I, I just want some advice on how to um, advocate and contribute to change um, in a very polit um, political organization. Hmm. Political as in, like, the, the politics of the organization, not as opposed to, like, the political, like, the political landscape of the country, correct? Uh, correct. Yes. Okay. Uh, the organization. Hmm. <clears throat> I think um, my experience is number one, always uh, consistently try to do your best with the job in which you were hired for. So at the end of the day, always do the best that you can with what you have been brought there to do. Um, I have found it valuable to see who the important or influential people in my organization are and that I feel like there's a connection that I might have with like an individual person and find a way to get more connected with that person. Um, especially if you know that person has a seat at the table. Um, if and when you align yourself with people who have a seat at the table, they, my experience tells me that they will start to ask you about things that, um, you may have the ability to influence even though you were not at the table. And in some rare instances, they might start to invite you to the table if you are contributing to the conversation, maybe not uh, in, in kind of a background way. Um, let's see, five years. Yeah, I, I'm gonna imagine that there are people that you've gotta be willing to take the risk and do a little bit of a reach out with them and start to make that connection. And if you don't find those people there, I would, I would start to wonder, is this the place for you if you're not seeing folks that are at the table um, in, a, in a way that they can be accessible to you? So if you're like, oh, I, I wouldn't talk to any about these people, or like, I don't want to align myself with any of these folks, then I think that that's probably an indicator that's that pebble, if not that rock upside the head, of like, should you really be at that organization? Um, do you, do you have some stuff? I'm not um, going to continue to I, run and think on this. Yeah, I second everything you said. That was a really great piece of advice. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's easy to feel discouraged when you might have a role at the organization that is not welcome at that table. Mm -hmm. um, however, I think you can still use what you're observing as a like a learning experience for just like taking it all in and understanding how these conversations are happening and how these decisions are being made so that when hopefully one day when you elevate in either that organization or maybe a different organization uh, at least you have some context and some um, training if you will based on um, how you choose to immerse yourself and all mm -hmm. of that so that uh, you can then be um, one of the movers and shakers. 
Yeah. It's funny. I was reading something online um, maybe earlier today and it was like, if you don't have a, if you haven't been invited to a seat, to have a seat at the table, bring your own folding chair. And which number one was kind of, I was like a folding chair. Why can't you just bring a regular chair? But I, I sometimes, um, I feel like there's a tension of like trying to like insert yourself and invite yourself to the table. Um, when there might be intentional reasons why you're not at that table, if that makes sense. True. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, I, I have been, I started to get invited to more tables um, or have done my work in a way that people see value of me and start to like be like, oh, you'd be really helpful if you contributed to this conversation and people see that I'm consistent in doing the work that I've been hired to do and started to expand my role and like do different things, try to be innovative, creative with how um, I approach my work, then people have been more apt to be like, oh, I really like that you tried this or this idea. Um, I've also started to, to try to invite myself to tables, so I don't necessarily show up with a folding chair, but if I need to get in front of an audience, then I may reach out to whoever they're like for outward facing person is. So for the colleges here or for the university, like I reach out to the associate deans to try to get in front of like large groups of faculty because I know they have the ability to add me to their agenda um, where I can talk about my program and then other initiatives that the campus has that I might be a part of. Um, so if there, like right now there's a new executive order that I've just kind of folded into my work so that it's getting out to people. But I've, I've certainly start, started to reach out and say, hey, I, I believe I have some information that might be valuable or this perspective might be helpful for your staff or for your faculty as they move forward. Um, and we really like to build a connection so that they know that they can come to my office and like what I actually do that and what my skill set is and could be helpful in terms of my specific role, but also what I contribute to the larger campus. So. I think there's some uh, some bravery that has to come with that of being willing to be like, well, I, I'm comfortable and confident with my skill set. Let me start to put myself out there and see who um, who bites in terms of like, here's a seat at the table, even if it's just a temporary one. Because um, now I find that I'm getting, I get invited regularly, mm -hmm. like uh, two or three times a semester just to check in with faculty to see how things are going or to go over like a few scenarios of, like how might you respond with this or like let's debrief this, you know, difficult situation. So I've had to work to build that credibility up that wasn't originally assigned to me because people didn't know who I was. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Betsy, for writing in. Um, that ends Ask a Boss. <laughs> um, please remember to um, send your questions to headbosspodcast at gmail.com and we'll be right back. Let's wrap this up. Uh, boss ass bitch and bitch ass boss of the week. Uh, do you want me to go first? You want to go first? Um, I'll go first. 
Okay. Um, so boss of the week, head boss of the week is Jesper, my pup Boston Terrier, passed away last week. Um, he would be nine years old on uh, September 15th, so he just just short of his birthday. Um, he was basically like, fuck this whole eclipse thing. I don't want to be around for this. So he <laughs> he left us too soon. Um, I miss him terribly, and he was an awesome dog. So um, head boss to Jasper, kind of random, but certainly on my heart. Um, so head bitch is to um, two people, actually. Um, one is to, there's, I feel like there's a consummate head bitch to 45. Um, the most recent reason, reason aside from his, the bullshit that he said around Charlottesville and trying to clean it up and all that other shit, um, uh, was the fact that he pardoned, um, a sheriff, Joe Ar- Arpeo. I'm not sure uh. fully how to say it. Um, Joe, we're just going to call him Joe, um, used to be the top sheriff in Phoenix um, and from 1993 to 2016 and was known as kind of the hardest um, sheriff in the land and did a lot of shit um, to continue to disenfranchise um, undocumented folks, folks of color, anybody who was in the jail system under him. Um, let's see, I and I'll try to remember to tweet this link out, but some of the things that were connected to um, somebody had a, uh, the Phoenix new times. And so, you know, when a newspaper like goes on a rant and I, I remember I was online when this was first being tweeted out and I was like watching the retweets and the likes grow. And it was like at 500 and now it's at 121,000 likes. Um, and this was in low key, less than 24 hours. Um, I didn't even realize that. So there are all these articles about him and they link to the articles from the Phoenix times that prisoners that said that prisoners there at the prisons that he oversaw saw died at an alarming rate, often without um, explanation. He ran a jail that was described as a concentration camp. Um, one of his jailers nearly broke the neck of a paraplegic guy who had the term ter- temerity to ask for a catheter. Um, he made a woman in one of his jails, he made a woman give birth while still shackled and in chains. Um, so, and he is known to be on that kind of alt-right side, um, but more of the old school, um, uh, super conservative, generally racist, um, approach. So, uh, head bitch to both uh, continually 45 and then the sheriff Joe um, and the pardoning of him. And then a slightly funny one. And if you have more details about this, I will certainly laugh along with you. Um, head bitch to Taylor Swift. Um, yes. Oh my gosh. I don't I'm ever, so happy you're saying this. <laughs> who I don't ever pay attention to and literally gets on my nerves. Um, but apparently uh, she uh, wiped her social media clean a few days ago. I heard this on Good Morning America, um, the day late version of Good Morning America because I don't have live TV. Um, but then had, and I don't know if it was a video or uh, what that she put out, but basically people are saying like, uh, clearly she is um, Columbusing Beyonce in one of the pictures and I'll tweet some out uh, <laughs> a little bit later. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Um, but then all these like, 
super funny memes have come out that are comparing like basically the the we'll just call it the gentrified version of uh formation so one uh, looks it says i got mayonnaise in my bag i see it <laughs> i steal it i whine till i own it i complain hard till apple care said i owned it <laughs> that was one of them um, oh my gosh let's see okay ladies now let's gentrification um there's a bunch of super funny ones oh gosh um, when he fucked me good i take his ass to panera um, <laughs> <laughs> um oh. you know you that bitch when you cause all this appropriation oh, um gosh. so she stays stealing stuff and being unoriginal <sighs> um oh, and, then, and playing the victim uh all the time and i'm like this and no that was gonna be a bit of like shaming of her but even this whole lawsuit thing, which I don't know a ton about, but it was all on the news for several weeks around this guy who took a photo with her. And I'm not saying that he did or he didn't um, assault her because I was not there. Um, but it just, it seems like a, a large spectacle. And I'm wondering um, uh, if it really got the impact uh, that it probably should in terms of like um, bringing like issues like assaults and, you know, unwelcome touching to the forefront because it seemed more of a ploy on her. Um, that's just my individual opinion. So um, yeah. I hope that what she wanted to come out of it actually came out of it. And it wasn't more just like Taylor Swift, like co-opting space and taking up space um, from other issues that are impacting other people. And I'm not saying that again, not saying that this is not impactful, but like, girl, have a seat. Like, Nobody, I don't care about Taylor Swift. I never have. I likely never will. Her music is annoying. Can't name a single song off the top of my head right now. I was, I was going to actually try to. And then I was like, oh, that's not her song. That's somebody else. That's Katy Perry, who's also annoying. Yeah. Um, you don't, you don't want to be uh, uh, yeah. saying the devil's music out loud. Yeah. So. <laughs> don't want to say her name three times, no. but not here for her. So head bitch to her. Take a seat and try to do something original and stop waiting for, let's, let's call it what it is, stop waiting for black women to shine, do and be everything, and then trying to come in and do that and be like, I didn't know, like, I'm not, yeah, bitch, you knew. You waited until you thought we was going to forget, but the beehive never forgets. So we see you and the mayonnaise in your purse. So <laughs> have a seat. Thank you. Nasty. Who still so. puts mayo on? Uses mayo. Uh, anyway. Why is mayo a thing? But anyway. I don't know. It's just it's it's just a lot. Okay. So really quickly, I have a combined head boss and bitch. Uh, I have to start with the boss, which goes to Maxine Waters. Um, she was recognized at the Black Girls mm. Rock um, concert slash event this past weekend. And um, she said some great things in her speech. Some highlights would be um, uh, one of my favorite things. Uh, they would have me believe I'm too black, too confrontational, I'm too tough, and I'm too disrespectful of them. Uh, but now I know I'm simply a strong black woman. I am you and you are me. We have power, we have influence, we can do things others have told us we can't do. I don't care how big you are. I don't care how high you think you are. If you come for me, I'm coming for you. Oh, love it. Uh, I saw that, like, <laughs> replayed it. Yes. So good. Um, and so, but my bitch goes to uh, someone I do not claim um, as a member of my community, Stacey Dash, uh, who tweeted 
um, a picture of uh, Maxine Waters accepting her speech, uh, her her award, and she wrote, "Let me clarify." Oh, uh, wrong tweet. Uh, this is <laughs> this is how you spin a corrupt media buffoon sucking up her late in life fifteen minutes. So you can guess how. Uh, how basically sent it, like she was basically obliterated after um, putting out that tweet. And then she had the nerve to set, send out a clarifying tweet saying, let me clarify that an intern wrongly used buffoon in a recent tweet um, on Maxine Waters. I don't need to be disrespectful to disagree. I'm like, oh, girl, girl, girl. You, you, you're, you're blaming your, your messy-ass interns now for your mistakes? Didn't we just talk about owning your shit? Like- Own your shit. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I just... Uh, the, there's no, no words. I'll just leave it at that. Why is she a thing? Like, okay. Anyways, so that ends our episode for the week. Um, please uh, stay connected with us on all our social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram. You can listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. And remember to uh, send us questions, comments, concerns uh, on head, headbosspodcast at gmail.com. All right, we'll see you in two weeks. All right, be dope. Bye. I'm